to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Thank you for being here today, wonderful people, on this brisk, I think we've said it before already, this brisk morning. Now, don't you love how on Netflix or whatever streaming service you use, they get and they have suggested shows for you already at the top once you go into the app. They do all the work for you. You don't have to spend time scrolling through, what am I going to watch? They've done all the work for you. Or on a fast food app where you, you, you go in and they already have the, the foods that you've already most commonly used. They've, they've got them there suggested for you already. Or on social media where they have people right there that, you, that, that they suggest that you follow based on the people that you already follow. It's so easy. It's so simple. It saves time. I love living in a suggestion-laden world. What's not easy to do in a suggestion-laden world is to be obedient. We can find it so hard to be obedient. We can find it so hard to obey the road rules. I was on a a prayer walk around Lake Goolawa a couple of weeks ago, and I was coming up to uh, where where Wanneroo Road and Hepburn Ave uh, meet and there were cars that were turning left onto Wanneroo Road from Hepburn Ave and 40%, I counted, 4 out of 10 of those drivers, and I hope none of, none of those are here, did not indicate to turn left. We find it so hard to obey the road rules. We find it so hard to obey our parents, right young people? My parents are actually here as well, so they're just nodding, yeah. Put your jumper on, it's cold outside. Nah. Don't make any noise before 7am on our Sabbath day, which is our only day. Now, these are just general, by the way, they're not specific at all. Um, Before 7am on our Sabbath day, the only day that we don't wake up to an alarm, please don't make any noise. Nah. Turn off the bathroom light, please. <laughs> Once you've finished, it's not a suggestion. Please do it, nah. We find it so challenging to obey. It's also really challenging obeying God in a suggestion-laden world. Why is it so challenging for us as human beings to obey? Well, obedience in general has a bad rap. It's connected with power imbalances, with abuse of authority with blind, uneducated living. Our society values individualism, autonomy, without consequences, you do you, which has led to a breakdown of the family, breakdown of community. There's a growing belief in society that there's no absolutes. There's, no, nothing, there's nothing that says there's, there's right or wrong. There's no sense of truth. There's a lack of clarity. What, what do we obey? What are we supposed to obey and not? There's an overemphasis on doing what we feel like, on being led by our emotions and our feelings as opposed to what is actually right for us and right for others. And it also, in terms of obeying God, it takes time. It takes time to, to wait, to spend time in God's presence, 
to hear from Him, to be led by Him. We're so time poor, we don't want to wait. We just want to get on with it. And also humans, we're kind of rebellious at heart, aren't we? We just want to buck the system for the sake of it. These and many other factors make it challenging to obey God in a suggestion-laden world. Yet, there remains a clear call in Scripture that essential to a life in relationship with God is obedience. And it might sound random, it might sound a bit crazy, but the surprising thing is that there can be a delight this, this happiness, this lasting joy that can come and remain in us as we live a life of loving obedience to God. David bombards us with this kind of language in Psalm 119, verse 2. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. Verse 16. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 24. Your decrees are my delight and my counsellors. Verse 70. Their hearts are hard and insensitive, but I delight in your instruction. Verse 77. May your compassion come to me so that I may live for your instruction is my delight. Verse 174. I'm just cherry picking from this passage here. I long for your salvation, Lord, and your instruction is my delight. Loving obedience to God can bring delight. It can also bring safety and security, knowing that God loves us, that He knows us, that He has a, this deep care for us, enough to show us how to live our best lives in freedom and with purpose. And in this day and age, loving obedience to God, it's also, it's exciting. It can be radical and exhilarating and fulfilling because it's counterculture. It's a countercultural way to live. Not as mindless fish kind of trapped in this current. Can't get out of it. But a life of faith, trusting God and stepping out of our comfort zones into a life of meaning, adventure and impact. And so what's the reason for this series that we're about to embark on? Well, obedience. <laughs> we could have played it safe with Pastor Jason M, our lead pastors away. We could have focused on something a bit lighter, a bit more milky instead of meaty. Part of me would have preferred that. But God had other plans. God's clearly doing something new in the church and in our church. And we've been led by God to stop some things in this season, to stop more things than we've started. And, and at some level, that's been really personally frustrating for me because we so often associate effectiveness with lots of activity, right? If you're doing lots, you must be effective. We realise it's, it's wrong. It doesn't work. I'm also, it's also frustrating partly because Kaz and I and, and the leadership team, we want to appear like we have a plan, like we know what we're doing. <laughs> we don't. But God does. And this is what he's trying to teach us. 
just to let go of that need for control, to slow down, to wait on Him. And as we've done that in this season, a Wednesday night gathering, and we've had in, in, times of intercessory prayer as, as a pastoral team, more time and space to, to wait on Him, to seek Him, to be aligned with Him, not to align Him with our plans, but to align with Him. Whilst the whole plan hasn't been outlined, small steps have. And this is one of those steps. And I believe that this series, as well as the series in August about hearing the voice of God that includes, get excited, a week of prayer and fasting. Whoa. Wow. I'm quite excited by that response. I did just see Lee, Lee McPherson up the back just go. Oh. Just put his head back. No, that wasn't about that, was it? No, you were just praying. This series and, and, and the Hearing from God series, which includes a week of prayer and fasting, oh, I'm just believing for some incredible things to happen in that week of prayer and fasting, that we're calling this church community to, is, is going to awaken us again to Father God calling His children's gaze back onto Him. Not on a program, not on a practice, not on a way that we used to do. I, I, I keep getting this phrase that God is, is impressing upon my heart, stop trying to pour new wine into old wineskins. And so we're leaning into the new. We're stepping into what God has for us. And we're, we're bringing our gaze back onto our Father. And this series is going to help create an atmosphere where we can posture in fresh surrender, be, be set free from a legalistic, obligation-based Christianity in order to find joy and delight in living a life of, of radical obedience to God. Because I need it, we need it, our families need it, and the wider society needs it. The wider society needs a church filled with people who will hear the voice of God and obey it. God wants to, in this series, expose and break the power of sin and rebellion in our lives. He wants to bring clarity to our vision, our identity, and our call. He wants to ignite a hunger. Oh, I want a fresh hunger and desire for Him in me more than ever before. I want to see it in our people. I want to see it in the church. He's going to do that through prayer, through the Word, through... The church gathering is one and I'm asking you to come on this journey with us in this season. Are you with me? And So what's the next four Sundays going to look like? Well, week one, we're in it. Why is obedience essential? We'll talk about that. Weeks two and three, what, what is essential for us to obey? And my beautiful wife and I are going to unpack that over the next two weeks. Focusing on Matthew 22, 36 to 40. And in week four, we have an incredible tag team with Pastor Tom Hawks and Pastor Genevieve Hayes. And they'll be focusing on the how. How can we obey God? And so let's launch into week one. Why? Why is obedience an essential element for Christianity? Three reasons to unpack today. First of all, all of creation is designed for obedience. Number two, obedience is tied to love. And number three, obedience is pivotal 
for purpose. First of all, all of creation is designed for obedience. It's in the makeup of the DNA of all creation to obey its creator. If we think macro for a second, if we take a step back and think about the universe, the universe obeys laws that science didn't make up. Science is just attempting to explain the laws that the universe is already obeying. And I love this analogy from once world-renowned atheist turned theist, Anthony Flew, in his book, There Is a God. In the position of a little child entering a huge library filled with books in many languages, the child knows someone must have written those books. It does not know how. It does not understand the languages in which they're written. The child dimly suspects a mysterious order in the arrangement of the books, but doesn't know what it is. That, it seems to me, is the attitude of even the most intelligent human being toward God. We see the universe marvellously arranged and obeying certain laws, but only dimly understand these laws. Our limited minds grasp the mysterious force that motivates the constellations, the universe obeys laws. Everything about humanity. We read that embedded in the creation narrative is a call to obey, obey God's commands. Genesis 2, 15 to 17. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree of the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. God provided structure and boundaries for the first humans. Clear parameters in line with the capabilities and limitations of humans. And of course, we know what happened. We know that Adam and Eve, they disobeyed. They were tempted by a lie, a perversion of the truth, and thus releasing the devastation of sin and death into the world. Now, why is it such a big deal that the first humans ate from the one tree God commanded them not to? Isn't it a good thing for humans to know the difference Between good and evil? Well, they did already. As long as they remained in relationship with God, their creator, they would always know the difference between good and evil. You see, what disobeying God by eating from the tree did was take God out of the picture, thus positioning humanity as God and essentially gave humans the power not to know the difference between good and evil, but to decide what would be constituted as good and what would be constituted as evil. (sighs) Think about that for a moment. Have a look around society today. Does that ring true? My goodness. And here's why this is a challenge. Here's why why when we look inside and when we look around, it's just a big hot mess. Because as created beings, we weren't meant to be the final court of appeal. We are contingent beings. We are totally and utterly dependent on our creator. 
And so much of what we see today in society and in our own internal struggles is the results of attempting to unhinge ourselves from any need of God. You see, even though we're different from the rest of creation, having been made in the image of God, as Christopher Watkins writes, God alone is on the creator side of the creator-creature distinction. But we kind of, we're trying to, like, can we kind of, is there any room for us over here, God? We're created beings. It doesn't change. But as humanity tried to reorder creation, sin resulted, and we see all around us a fallen, broken, rebellious, misaligned creation running away from its creator. And that's why... That name is there. Because in our fallenness and our brokenness, without any hope, Jesus came. And he did what he did. He lived perfectly. He died obediently, willingly, and sacrificially. And he rose from the dead powerfully. And he freed us from the curse of sin and death. And he made a way for the entire created order to be restored to its proper place in loving and submitted relationship with God. When Jesus came, we look at the authority that he had over the created order. We look at his authority over the wind and the waves in Matthew 8, 23 to 27, over unclean spirits in Mark 1, 27. All of creation was coming back into line at the command of Jesus. And as all of creation... Oh man, I just, this is just such a privilege. That I get to talk about Jesus for a living. Sorry, I'm just having a moment. (laughs) Ah, Why does God tend to help me have moments? when I'm standing in front of hundreds of people. As all of creation surrenders to Jesus as Lord and Saviour, as creature bows to creator, we can finally become what God originally intended us to be. Righteous and holy, set apart, free from sin and in constant communion with God. And when we talk about freedom from sin... It's important that we don't think, oh, freedom from sin means that we as as Christians can all of a sudden just be these autonomous beings living with no master or any obligations. No, it's the opposite. It actually rather means, as Paul writes in Romans 6, 16 to 18, that we now take a position, a new position of slavery, but not of sin and death, but to righteousness and to God. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, 
gosh, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. Some of us are probably reading that. And instead of going free from sin, whoa, yes, come on. That's incredible. We're going, oh, we have to be slaves to righteousness. (laughs) Really? So obedience to God is essential for a Christian because we were created for it. And when Jesus came, he reordered that creation. Number two, obedience is tied to love. In John 14, 15, and then verses 21 to 26 of 14, the apostle records the words of Jesus in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And then in verse 21, the one who has my commands has them in possession and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be, will be loved by my father. And also I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make a home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Then the Apostle John himself writes in his first epistle, In chapter 5, verses 2 to 4, this is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey His commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep His commands. And His commands are not a burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. There is a clear connection. First Jesus and then John is making here between love and obedience. And this connection emphasises, firstly, that obedience to God, it's not this blind, unfeeling, forced, slavish attitude, but it's a willing conformity with love at its foundation. Meaning that it's, it's relational by nature. And this is a, a revolutionary shift from the Jewish approach to the Mosaic law. And we can read in, in John 14, I just read, that Jesus knew that the willing part of obedience was going to be tough for us. So he promised his, his great Holy Spirit, a, a counsellor, someone who will come alongside us and remind us of all things and teach of us of all things and empower us to live those things out. It also emphasises that love is more than the feels. It's more than our words. It's more than ticking the let's attend Sunday church box with God on the throne and we'll praise him and we'll worship him. But then for the rest of the week, he's off the throne and we're back on. Real love is to show concern to do 
God's will. Truly loving God is to agree with, abide in, and obey His commands for us. But we don't obey God so that He'll love us. We need to make that really clear. We obey God because He already loves us, and it is His love that empowers us to obey. 1 John 4.10, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Truly loving obedience comes from a place of love, not for it. It's out of the sheer enormity of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ that we can respond with, I'm all yours. I was bought at a price, a significant price. I belong to you, God. May your will be done, Lord. How can I serve? How can I follow you the rest of my days, my God? And what really brings this connection between love and obedience home for us is that the greatest act of love in human history was also the greatest act of obedience. Jesus himself, God incarnate. Am I talking about Jesus again? Not apologising. God incarnate, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, God coming near. Jesus modelled, modelled this through giving his life to save us. Romans 5.19, for just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So also through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Adam's disobedience brought sin and death to us all. Christ's obedience brought righteousness and life to all who belong to him. And so the cross was simultaneously the most stunning communication of the Creator's love for His creation and the most draw-dropping obedient surrender of one's will to the will of their Father. Can you remember those words uttered in the Garden of Gethsemane by Jesus to His Father the night He was arrested? Not what I will but what you will. You sense that letting go of control, that complete and utter trust in his father when previously he's like, is there another way? Surely. Isn't that just the most jaw-dropping example of obedience? That's amazing. Tim Keller sums up what Jesus did and how we are to live in loving obedience. God wasn't his saying to us, to Jesus, I want you to do something for me. Not because you understand why. Don't we have to, we have to know everything? We have to understand everything before we're willing to... Not because you can see whether it would benefit you or disadvantage you. I want you to obey me simply because of who I am. Simply because you love me and trust me more than anything. 
God, that I would have that kind of attitude, that I would have that kind of disposition. I don't understand it all, God, and I don't have to because you are good, you are faithful, and I trust you. And so I'm going to hear and I'm going to obey. Obedience is tied to love. And lastly, obedience is pivotal for purpose. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You and I are called to be disciple makers. We're called to be growing disciples of Jesus ourselves. And we're called to make disciples in our homes, in our workplaces, in our wider community. Everyone, whether you've been on this stage or not, whether you hold a mic or not, whether you sit on the front row or not, every single person who is called to be a follower of Jesus is called to be a disciple maker. Sorry. Not sorry. And a key part of making disciples is to teach those we are impacting to observe, to keep, to hold on to, to obey the commands of Jesus. And so how we live matters. How we live affects others. How we live impacts generations. And we'll unpack a little bit more over the coming weeks what obeying those commands looks like. But I love how God can speak to us. He can make clear the next step for us. He can alert us to a commandment that we are to obey through the Word, through the Bible. As Holy Spirit comes and awakens a passage that maybe we've, we've read so many times before and all of a sudden, that's clear. I love that. It's amazing how we can spend time in prayer, waiting on God and Holy Spirit can drop a next step in our, in our gut, in our spirit and say, this is the next step for you. Or remind us of a dream or a passion or a gift that He's put in us. And maybe we've, we've kind of said no in the past. And all of a sudden, He's like, it's time. I love how dynamic our relationship with God is. And I also love, most of the time, <laughs> how God can use others. How God can use this church community to help align or realign us and shape us into loving obedience. Who we have around us matters. Our voice matters in our disciple making. I've got another football example with Harrison. It feels like every example at the moment is, is around footy and Harrison. But a couple of weeks ago, it was a beautiful day. And we watched Harrison come, uh, come and play. And he had a shocker of a first half. He would, he would admit that, wouldn't you, mate? He had a pretty bad first half that game. He probably doesn't know which game I'm talking about. He's just nodding because I've got the mic. <laughs> but he, it was a, there was no reason for him to have a shocker, but he had a shocker of a first half. And he never usually comes up to me at half time. I think I'm the person he wants to be furthest away from where, when he's not having a great game. 
But he comes up to me and he's like, Dad, what am I doing wrong? And I said, mate, you're in your own head. Like you're overthinking things. And, and you're being reactive. And so, so you're all up in here. What I want you to do is just empty this. Why do you love playing footy? Hunt the ball. Just go get the ball in the second half. And anyway, he comes out in the second half and he has an absolute ripper. Like he has a great second half of his game. And I, I went up to him afterwards. I said, mate, what, what was the difference? I wasn't fishing for a compliment, honestly, honestly. <laughs> I was really interested because I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't rev him up in his games. I try to let him, give him space. So it's not, it's, 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 it's a rare thing. What was the difference? And this is why I'm going to do it more often. <laughs> he, needs to hear, he needs to hear another voice. He said, it was just what you said, Dad. The words you said helped clear my mind and I went back to why I love footy and I had a better second half. And something really like kind of crystallised for me in that moment that my voice matters. My voice matters as a father for my son but our voice matters as we raise up the next generation. Our voice matters because it can help realign and encourage and empower some of us who are struggling, who are frustrated, who are confused. And that's the beauty of church. That's the power of church. That when we're in that moment of misalignment, the voice of the people in this church community can bring alignment, can clarify purpose, can empower steps of obedience. And the church community here is full of wonderful people. You're wonderful. You're also imperfect. You're wonderfully imperfect people who God is freeing and forming more and more into the likeness of Christ. And we're going to hear over the coming weeks from some of you amazing people who have taken next steps of obedience when you've heard from God. And can we have the band come up? That would be great. But we're all, we're all still in this process of being formed. No one here has made it. We're all still working it out. We're all still working out what it means to delight in loving obedience to God. And on one side, we can probably think of those moments in our life, in our Christian journey, those big moments or those small moments where we've heard the voice of God and we've obeyed. And how aligning to our purpose is that? When we step out of our comfort zone and, and step out in obedience and God obviously comes through and then we're like, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm on this planet. <coughs> For me, I can remember responding to God in a salvation call at a youth winter camp in 1998. The most impactful step of obedience I've ever taken. I can remember doing Bible college in the year 2000, following the voice of God when I was still completing my uni degree, when I was working part-time, when I just had the biggest hindrance of, oh, a girlfriend, oh, 
so much hassle, demanding time all the time, just want to hang out all the time. No, Karen's not like that at all. Her love language isn't quality time. I struck the jackpot. I know there's guys going, oh, you suck. Sorry. No. I remember engaging with the Madhu people in the Pilbara for the first time when everything in me wanted to remain in comfort. I'm reminded of a couple of seasons, significant seasons of prayer and fasting that God led me into that have been pivotal for freedom coming in different areas of my life. There's moments of stepping out in the prophetic gift with fear and trepidation of preaching the right message instead of the easy message, of giving that word of encouragement instead of just thinking it, of making faith commitments to beyond in ways that really appeared silly in a human view when we were trying to save up to buy a house, but we knew that we were following the voice of God. And in these moments and many others, and I'm sure there's moments of obedience that, are, that you're recollecting right now, in these moments, there's such a sense of alignment with the purpose of God. But on the flip side, what probably comes to mind maybe quicker and maybe more vividly are those moments of disobedience. For me, where I've judged and written off someone, where I've succumbed to temptation and sought comfort in created things, not the Creator where I've believed and agreed with lies that I've been told about who I am, where I've coveted material things, where I've worried incessantly instead of prayed, where I've said no to going the extra mile because of fear, apathy and pride, where I've allowed anger to dictate the way I've spoken to and acted towards my loved ones where I've allowed lustful thoughts, time and space in my mind, where I've heard the call to get up early to pray and I haven't, where I haven't told the whole truth or I haven't told the truth in love. There's many, many more. But in these moments of disobedience, I felt pulled away from the purpose of God. Obedience is tied to purpose. And so where does it leave us when we're in that moment and we feel pulled away because of disobedience? Here's the most amazing thing, the most incredible thing that what Jesus has done is that there's grace available for us. That we don't have to be perfect that we don't have to be robots, that we are going to stumble and fall, that we are going to have moments of disobedience where we're pulled away from God's purpose and plan best for our lives. But in those moments, instead of us being condemned, instead of us sitting under shame, there is grace available. Hear that today. There's grace available for you. His grace is sufficient in our weakness. There's grace available. I feel like I need to keep repeating that 
because we are our own worst enemies. We're so hard on ourselves. But there is in Christ Jesus, therefore, no condemnation. What Jesus has done and by the power of the Spirit has freed us from condemnation and shame and sin. So there's grace available. Would you, would you let yourself entertain the thought that God's grace is sufficient for you? That your sin and shame is dealt with, is covered, is forgiven and there's freedom. Holy Spirit, come. Let a fresh revelation of your grace come. Holy Spirit, come. I see God peeling away the hardness of our hearts where we've, in our need to be, to defend ourselves, to protect ourselves, we've we covered our guilt and our shame and our sin. And God is actually wanting by His grace for us to release it to Him. Release it. Release it. And the next five minutes... We're just going to sit in his presence. And where there's areas of, of disobedience in our lives, that we would bring them to him, confess them, repent of them, make a decision to change our mind, to turn away from those things, and by faith receive forgiveness and freedom. So there is forgiveness and freedom today. And so if there's a, there's a big area or a small area, it's a part of your life or maybe it's your whole life. In this moment, God's grace is sufficient and freedom and forgiveness is available. And for some of us, we're confused there's no clarity about steps of obedience, about what's right, what's wrong, about our next step. I believe that in this moment as we present our lives to God, clarity will come. A next step. Not the whole plan, but a next step. And then I also get a sense that there are people here and you know there's a step of obedience that God's calling you to. And you just haven't had the nerve yet. You haven't been able to take that step. For you today, there's a, an impartation of courage. Holy Spirit courage to come upon you. To take that step. Come on. He's given you that step. He trusts you with that step. 
He's empowering you for that step. Receive courage afresh today. So the band's going to play. You can close your eyes. You can keep them open. You can stand. You can sit. You can come down the front. You can do whatever you want. It's five minutes. You and God allow Him to come and do what only He can do. Oh God, we're so just struck by how much you do love us. And God, we we just don't want to hold that love at arm's length anymore. We want to fully let the guards down, fully trust you. We ask that you would continue to do that work in us. Delivering us from guilt and shame and sin. Bringing freedom and forgiveness. Helping us, God, with our confusion. Aligning us afresh. Bringing clarity. And God, putting courage into us, God, because we're so fearful. But we know you're calling us to this adventure and these next steps of obedience. And so God, the courage come today in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can I encourage us all before I, I hand over to Tom? If God's spoken to you clearly in that time or throughout today or with a clear next step. Take it. Put yourself in a place, position yourself in an atmosphere where God can solidify that that call, that next step. Maybe that's talking to someone, letting someone know this is what happened for me. This is what God spoke to me about. Maybe it's just deciding I've never been to Wednesday night gather. I've never been to a prayer prayer meeting on a Wednesday night. But for this term, I'm just going to lean in. Uh, I I just need God more than anything. And I'll do the juggle and I'll I'll sort things out. But I'm just going to be here. Or maybe it's just opening that word and making a decision that every day I'm going to read some scripture, some, some Bible, a psalm, a chapter from the Gospels. And did you see what God wants to speak and say? It's been an incredible start to this series. I can't wait for what God's going to do in this season as we do this together. Thank you. God bless. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.